The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. A stock, a stock bounce underway as investors wake up with new hope of a Santa Claus rally before the year's end. Sam Bankman-Fried back on U.S. soil as two of his top associates plead guilty to fraud charges. A court hearing is likely later on this morning. Now, in his first comments delivered outside of his country's borders, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky giving an impassioned speech to members of Congress last night, calling for continued support from Washington, D.C. Disaster averted at Micron as its CEO looks to a rebound in the second half of the next year. A closer look at that stock and the semiconductor industry coming up and more trouble for Tesla. The company announcing even more discounts, this time in North America, as one top analyst turns slightly sour on that stock. It is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures, which are, we're going to call them stable. Right now, the Dow is implied lower by just about 12 points. The S&P higher by less than one point at this stage. And the Nasdaq just higher by one point. Again, drifting around right now. But stocks are coming off their best day in nearly a month, but still on track for their worst year since 2008. Bad year back then. Checking on the bond market right now, yields for the benchmark U.S. 10-year Treasury note Still, you can see moving just a little bit lower, but still, generally speaking, moving to the upside over the last few days. 3.64% the last trade there. The benchmark two-year note yield, 4.195%. Now, in energy, oil prices continue to show movement based upon what we are talking about in terms of expectations for a possible recession, although in today's session, we are seeing some green on the screen. U.S. benchmark prices for West Texas Intermediate or WTI crude, $79.50, up one, one and a half percent. And then the ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, $83.35. That's up roughly one and a half percent as well. And cryptocurrencies, we're seeing Bitcoin and Ethereum prices. Bitcoin in particular, still in that $16,000 range, up about one half of 1% today, 16,851 and change the last trade there. Ethereum prices up three quarters of 1%, $1,218 and change. Now, if you take a look at some of the, now if you take a look at what's happening right now overnight in Asia with the early trade in Europe, we are seeing a good amount of movement there. Arabile Goumede is standing by in our London newsroom with the latest there. Arabile. Yeah, Dominic, good morning to you. So you're seeing the Asian market, uh, particularly out in Shanghai, the Shanghai Composite being the only one really moving in red territory, while the rest of Asia was really in positive territory, taking its uh, impetus then from yesterday's moves out on Wall Street, some positivity coming through from that there. So that movement generally across the board has been positive with the Hang Seng in Hong Kong, uh, 2.7% to the good then. We are getting rumors and word then that there may be a decrease as well uh, in the quarantine 
time for international visitors into China. When that news is perhaps then confirmed, we may begin to see the Shanghai Composite and particularly the market out in Asia also react to that uh, early tomorrow morning. So we'll await exactly what that confirmation sort of looks like. But generally a sense of positivity across the board when it comes to Asia. It's also followed through into Europe, which has gone into uh, a positive tilt then today for the most part, despite the FTSE MIB and the DAX out in Germany uh, going slightly weaker at this point in time. But you can see pretty much as you noted a little bit earlier, stable is really the word. Interesting to note when it comes to the FTSE 100 that the UK uh, has come out with a sense on its GDP numbers, revising the initial decline of 0.2% for the third quarter and changing that to a further decline of 0.3%. So another uh, fall in that economic picture. A recession certainly still very key to worry about and we'll see if that is really the case. But many already worrying. The Bank of England already having noted uh, that we are expected to see the longest recession uh, on record then for the UK uh, over the next coming months. So for now, pretty much a stable market picture. Still a lot of green across the board. Dom. Arabile Goubade in London. Thank you very much for those headlines here to this morning's top stories. Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Good morning to you, Dom. Chipmaker Micron says it is slashing its headcount by 10% next year and cutting even deeper into its capital spending plans through 2024. This amid high inventory levels and weak demand. CEO Sanjay Marotra, however, remains cautiously optimistic beyond the current quarter, saying by the middle of next year, inventories will be so low that demand and sales should rebound. Tesla is offering new discounts on its Model 3 and Model Y vehicles in the U.S. and Canada. According to sales pages on its website, the company is giving customers a $7,500 credit in the U.S. and $5,000 credit in Canada on cars delivered before the end of this year, adding free supercharging for 6,000 miles. Now, this is the latest in a series of global price cuts issued by Tesla amid concerns over falling demand. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer signaling a possible omnibus spending bill breakthrough after an hours-long stalemate. Speaking just before 2 a.m. Eastern Time, Schumer says he believes the chamber will be able to lock in an agreement today, but the work is not done yet. The Senate plans to hold a rare vote at 8 a.m. Eastern to get the ball rolling on a finalized deal, one that could still fall apart, Dom. All right, Silvana Hanau with the latest headlines there. Thank you very much. Yeah. To a developing story overnight, two former executives at the top of Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto empire pleading guilty to federal criminal fraud charges. This as the disgraced FTX founder finds himself back on U.S. soil today. CNBC technology reporter Mackenzie Sagalos joins me now. Mac, walk us through the latest here. He's back in America, two top lieutenants are now cooperating with the U.S. government in the case against him. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Hey, good morning, Dom. The U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York says that Caroline Allison, Sam Bankman-Fried's one-time girlfriend and the chief of his crypto hedge fund, Alameda Research, as well as Gary Wang, one of the co-founders of FTX, had pleaded guilty to criminal charges that they helped orchestrate the years-long scheme to defraud investors of FTX. Now, both are cooperating with the agency's ongoing investigation into the collapse of the exchange and its ex-CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. The charges were released last night, the same night that Bankman-Fried was en route from the Bahamas to New York, where he faces eight federal criminal charges from the same prosecutors who accepted plea deals from Ellison and Wang. 
Now, simultaneously, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission releasing their own civil charges against Wang and Ellison. That SEC complaint alleges Wang created a software backdoor in FTX's platform, which allowed Alameda to divert customer funds for its own trades. Ellison and Wang have since signed a consent order with the CFTC, which is the civil version of a plea deal. Bankman Free does not yet. Now, Mac, this is this is interesting for the, the, the U.S. attorney for the Southern, Southern District of New York is also issuing a stern warning for anyone else involved in this whole scheme. Do we know who could be the next person in the line of fire in the sights of uh, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District? Yeah. So Damian Williams, SDNY's U.S. attorney, doubled down on his comments from last week, saying that his office is going to continue to work, quote, around the clock on this prosecution Adding that they were far from done, he specifically encouraged others who took part in misconduct at FTX or Alameda to voluntarily come forward. He said, now is the time to get ahead of it. And he emphasized the fact that they were moving quickly and their patience was, quote, not eternal. Also want to note here that some of FTX's top leaders were made conspicuous by their absence from the filings last night. You've got Sam Tribuco, for example, who went to MIT with Bankman Freed and for a time co-led Alameda with Ellison. He just resigned in August. Tribuco was not mentioned in connection with any wrongdoing. And then there's Nishad Singh, who was a co-founder of FTX in 2019, also not named in last night's paperwork. All right. So, Mac, Bankman Freed potentially in court later on today. What exactly should we be looking out for? Bateman Freed's arraignment and bail proceedings will happen either today or tomorrow. It just has to be within 48 hours of Bateman Freed landing in the United States, which happened last night. And if he heads to a Manhattan courtroom today, this initial hearing is when the FTX founder will enter a plea of guilty or not guilty to those eight criminal charges against him. All right. And then real quick, Mac, I mean, I can't imagine, but is there any word on bail? This hearing is also when a judge will make a call either way on bail. There are now multiple reports that Bankman Freed's legal team had at least been discussing a deal with federal prosecutors that involved a possible arrangement for bail once he got back to New York. Typically, in white-collar cases, defendants are granted release on bond if they don't pose a flight risk. This is obviously not the typical case. Bankman Freed faces decades in prison. His ties are to a foreign jurisdiction, not to New York. And then there's the billions of dollars of missing FTX customer money. So prosecutors do actually have a shot at getting the judge to order detention unless the defendant posts property, a significant cash bond, and or agrees to house arrest with electronic monitoring. But it's difficult to determine what assets the defendant actually controls right now and is even allowed to pledge as his own. It's a complicated story for sure, Mac, and I'm sure you'll be breaking it down for us all along the way. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky capping off a very busy day in Washington with an impassioned plea to members of Congress and the American people, urging them to maintain support in Ukraine's war against Russia. His first such trip since the invasion began early this year. NBC's Bree Jackson joins us now from Washington with the latest there. Good morning, Bree. Good morning, Dom. Well, President Zelensky says the billions of dollars in funding that Congress has provided to Ukraine is not charity, but an investment in global security. An historic moment on Capitol Hill. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky leaving his war-torn country and addressing a joint meeting of Congress. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive 
and Keegan. The steadfast leader dressed in his signature fatigues, giving thanks to the U.S. for providing weapons and financial support and presenting this flag to lawmakers. This flag is a symbol of our victory. In this war, we stand, we fight, and we will win because we are united. Zelensky also tweeting a behind-the-scenes video of his visit to the White House, where President Biden is pledging aid for as long as it takes. Mr. President, you don't have to worry. Uh, we are staying with Ukraine. The president announcing the U.S. will provide Ukraine with a Patriot missile defense system. It's not escalatory, it's defensive. The wartime trip comes ahead of a transition of power in Washington, D.C. Republicans take control of the House next month, and GOP leader Kevin McCarthy has said his party will not write a blank check for Ukraine. Other lawmakers say defeating Russian aggression remains a top priority. I hope we stay united in support of Ukraine. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy. Zelensky also sending a message to Americans, wishing them peace as his country prepares for a winter of war. And Ukraine could get another $45 billion in aid from Congress if lawmakers pass an omnibus government spending bill by the end of this week. Dom. NBC's Bree Jackson live in Washington, D.C. with the latest there. Thank you very much. When we come back on the show, why our next guest says he's not holding his breath for a year-end Santa Claus rally. Plus, much more on Tesla's price cuts and what Morgan Stanley is saying about the long-term outlook for that stock. And then later on, winter weather watch as millions prepare to hit the road for the long holiday weekend. Storms are coming. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Breaking news right now. China reportedly planning to cut quarantine requirements for overseas travelers starting next month. Now, according to a report from Bloomberg, among the updates, no more hotel quarantines, only three days of monitoring as well as part of that. Now, currently, overseas arrivals are required to isolate for as many as eight days. Now, we're seeing some market reaction to this news right now. U.S. listed shares of companies like Alibaba, JD.com, the K-Web Internet ETF, the ticker there, KWEB, all popping, as you can see, in the pre-market trade. We're going to continue to monitor these headlines throughout the course of the morning. But that's the reason why you are seeing some optimism in U.S. and Chinese listed and linked type stocks, as you can see there. Now, stock futures are losing some steam over the course of the morning right now. Checking in the S&P futures over the past six hours, as you can see there, we've now dipped slightly into the red 
some negativity there. But again, marginally so. Wall Street is trying to keep this week's renewed momentum going into the holiday weekend if it can. All three major indices now up two days in a row, but with only six trading sessions left in this month and the year, a lot of red to overcome. The Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ all down between 3.5% and 6.5% just for the month of December alone. Kevin Simpson is the founder and chief investment officer at Capital Wealth Planning. He manages money, a lot of it, does so for clients. Kevin, I guess maybe the big question right now is, we talk about this time of year being seasonably strong. Should we be worried that December is shaping up as negatively as it is right now? Yeah, it's a shame because we were all so optimistic and enthusiastic for a Santa Claus rally. And I think Chairman Powell at the December Fed meeting really uh, killed that idea. And we can call him Mr. Scrooge or the Grinch or whatever we want. But we had all hoped that the terminal rate, when we were looking at their dot plots, would remain below 5%. And the moment that they released it at a 5.1% terminal expectation, it really took the wind out of the sails and and really killed the Santa Claus year-end rally, unfortunately. Now, if that's the case, does that have a carryover effect into next year? And how long does it last? If it really is Fed, do we have to wait until the Fed finishes its tightening cycle before the Fed becomes no overhang at all? Well, I think that's one of the most exciting things about 2023 is that we can get some of this Fed chatter out of the way and, and not hang on every single word. We're going to see that Fed tightening program end. Yes, whether it's February, March, or April, that's it. And then we get the pause that we're hoping for, not the pivot. That's further down the road. But just the idea that they can stop raising rates and that we can focus on raw data and actual earnings. Certainly for me as an active manager and a stock picker, I want to focus on what matters and, and not just every single thought that the Fed has. But we're not, we're not out of the woods in January. Uh, they're going to continue to raise rates. Hopefully they don't push the upper limits. You know, inflation will play a huge, huge part in how high they go. Uh, but I would expect the beginning of 2023, Dom, to look a heck of a lot like 2022. So, so Kevin, you are a stock picker. And one of the reasons why we like having you on here is because you do manage that kind of money for, for clients. I wonder then if you are a stock picker, what kind of stocks are you picking right now? If the markets are as, I wouldn't say dire, as, as negative as they could be in the coming months. Well, the broader markets certainly have a, an air of negativity around them, but there's always opportunities. And I think the important lesson is stay defensive. You know, when we go into the, the 2023 calendar year, it's not going to be uh, an all clear signal by any means. And, and the probability of a recession remains very high. So you can invest in energy names. Energy's come down a lot recently. So there's an opportunity there. You can look at consumer staples and you can look at, I think, utilities these things have very high multiples, relatively speaking, because people have gone into those trades to hide a little bit. So on pullbacks and on weakness, I feel like there's Im immense opportunities there. And that's what we're doing. We've got a little dry powder. We've got our list, healthcare, utilities, consumer staples and energy. And when we see opportunities, we'll dollar cost average into them because I think we'll see that continued volatility, at least for the next six to nine months. Then we can start looking ahead to 2024 uh, and, and, and next year, uh, I, I would bet for sure that Santa Claus will be coming to town. All right. Kevin Simpson, defensive playing right there. Thank you very much. Over at Capital Wealth Planning, we'll see you soon, sir. Still on deck for the show, a rough session for Micron. Why cautious optimism from its CEO is not doing much to sway the bearish outlook 
from our next guest. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. Today's big number, $160.5 billion. That's how much net farm income in the U.S. is expected to reach this year, according to data by the Department of Agriculture. That would be the highest level since 1973 on an inflation-adjusted basis. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Okay, it is a live shot of Rockefeller Center and the Christmas tree, one of the most iconic of pure in the world. Right now in Midtown Manhattan, it is 37 degrees, so not freezing, but we are expecting things to warm up. And you think that's not bad, right? But things could get a lot worse in the coming days for the holiday weekend. We'll keep a close eye on that. And speaking of, let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines because NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. And I'm sure, Philip, you and I are both watching the weather like millions of Americans. Uh, yeah, Dom, good morning. It's going to have a major impact. It's a winter storm that is arriving just in time for Christmas, and it could be the worst we have seen in decades for this time of year. 110 million people are expected to be impacted by the high winds, snow, and bitter cold. The dangerous system is already walloping parts of the Midwest, and it's now barreling east. Hundreds of flights have also been canceled already so far, and more are expected. Hunter Biden is lawyering up, securing famed high-powered defense attorney Abby Lowell. The move is in anticipation for what could be several Republican probes once the Republican Party takes over the House next month. Lowell has represented a number of major figures, including President Bill Clinton, former President Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, and Senator Bob Menendez. Federal prosecutors have been investigating Hunter over financial and business activities while he was on the board of a Ukrainian gas company. Last month, congressional Republicans revealed their plans to investigate Hunter, including alleged illegal business dealings from possible evidence found on a laptop. Hunter Biden has consistently denied any illegal activity. And finally, Eastern Illinois University played their way into the college basketball history books last night. They were on the road against Iowa, and EIU capitalized on a 55-point second half to stun the Hawkeyes, 92-83. to It's of note here because the Panthers were 31.5-point underdogs heading into this game. Caesar Sportsbook says that this was the largest upset in college hoops in at least 30 years. The Panthers, after the game, celebrating their big win with the coach, Marty Simmons, there in the locker room, getting showered and jumping around. This is the program's first win over a Big Ten team in 35 years. And, Dom, this sort of upset, is it's a type of win that will kind of propel a team into a magical season. And not just that. It's the reason why you get primed up for March Madness, because we know anything can happen during the big dance there, right? That's right. Yeah, that's the most exciting. It's David and Goliath. And last night in Iowa, Goliath prevailed. Congratulations, EIU, on that big one there for yeah. sure. Breaking the record books. Thank you very much, Philip Menas. We had to break here. Yeah. A quick check on shares of Verizon.
down more than 27% this year and on track for its worst annual performance on speaking of records, on record for Verizon. Worst year for the stock. A move made even more shocking when compared with industry rivals like AT&T and T-Mobile. According to Dow Jones market data going back to 1983, there have been just three times when the spread between Verizon and AT&T's shares was at least 25 percentage points in favor of AT&T. The stock is hovering right around that level this morning right now. Also, a quick programming note, be sure to tune into Squawk Box for a can't-miss conversation with Appaloosa's management's David Tepper, his take on what markets may have in store for the new year and his strategy for navigating potential headwinds. Maybe they'll get in a question about the Carolina Panthers. We don't know. Keep in tuned right here, 8 a.m. Squawk Box. We'll be right back in Worldwide Exchange after this break. The winning streaks for stocks looking in question after notching solid gains Wednesday. Futures right now are losing steam. Shares of Micron under pressure announcing it is slashing jobs and spending on weakening demand. We dig into the chip maker's results. And more bumps in the road for Tesla amid a very turbulent 2022 as the EV maker further slashes prices on some of its vehicles. Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. You were watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. It's right around 5.31 a.m. Eastern time over here on the East Coast, just outside New York City. Here's how stock futures are shaping up. I mentioned we are losing some steam, but it's marginal for now. The Dow is implied lower by 33 points. The S&P down by about just two points and the Nasdaq lower by five. So, yes, it's red, but not panically so. Let's also hit what's happening with oil prices right now. They are now drifting lower as well. They were up about one and a half percent at the start of this hour. Now, U.S. benchmark prices, well, they're still higher right now by about one and a half percent, $79.57. Ice Brent crude futures, $83.50, up one and a half percent as well. So we're holding on to gains there. To this morning's big money mover, it's Micron reporting a wider than expected first quarter loss. Revenues there dropping by nearly half to just under $4.1 billion. That missed analyst forecasts, as did the company's guidance for the current quarter amid the fall in prices and demand for memory chips. Now, Micron expects an improvement in the second half of its fiscal year, but plans to cut capital spending and 10% of the workforce as well, something the CEO addressed on the earnings call. The industry is experiencing the most severe imbalance between supply and demand in both DRAM and NAND in the last 13 years. Micron is exercising supply discipline by making significant cuts to our CapEx and wafer starts while maintaining our competitive position. We are also taking measures to cut costs and OPEX across the company. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the Micron story in the broader chip sector with Joseph Moore. He's a semiconductor industry analyst over at Morgan Stanley. Uh, I mean, this, this Micron report is one that's getting some attention because we tend to look towards some of these chip makers as leading indicators for technology overall. How concerned should investors be about the Micron results? And are they idiosyncratic to just Micron, or could there be themes that spread to other chip makers as well? Yeah, good morning. I, I think it definitely is a signal that there's too much inventory of really everything in semiconductors. Um, there are some idiosyncratic issues around memory and, and reasons that I think uh, commodity areas like DRAM and NAND 
are worse than others. But I would agree with the company's characterization that the supply demand imbalance is the widest that we've seen in quite some time. So I think it's uh, you know certainly the losses of this magnitude are an indication of that. And, and I frankly don't see it getting that much better over the course of you know the next 12 months or so. That much better over the next, if they're not getting that much better over the next 12 months in your mind, what exactly then does that mean for the outlook for not just Micron, but other, other chip makers that are involved in memory type chips? And should we worry about some of the other bigger players because of these types of tea leaves? Well, I think it is going to be challenging for the, the whole group. You know, there's there's been too much inventory in a lot of these markets and we'll certainly get past the biggest part of the inventory correction and we'll see a snapback to a higher level of demand. But, you know, we're not going to snap back to the level that we were at in the first half of 22 when we were building all this inventory. And so I think the excess is pretty substantial. Uh, you're going to see it and you're not going to see these types of losses across the board in semiconductors, a lot of the companies are going to, earnings are going to hold up better. Uh, but it definitely does portend that uh, I think we we have chal- a challenging environment, uh, particularly across these vertical markets like PCs, like smartphones, like cloud. Um, those markets are, are heavily over inventory. And I think you're seeing memory uh, as the, the sort of most uh, high amplitude ramifications of that. But I think that you're seeing these conditions sort of hit everyone. I mean, Joe, Joe, I mean, if you take a look at you mentioned some of those end uses that we have, especially for things like memory chips, you mentioned PCs, you mentioned smartphones, other other devices like that. How much of the analysis that you do goes into what you think demand will be like for some of those consumer goods and and, and how much of that is built built towards the consumer side of spending versus the enterprise or business side of spending. Can we expect some of those inventory issues to be worked out if demand improves for those end products? I mean, demand is certainly part of it. And I think you know we'll see over the course of the next 12 months, um, probably somewhat weaker demand in the US, probably somewhat stronger demand in areas like China. Uh, so it's a mixed picture, I would say, from a demand perspective. Um, and we've certainly seen the weakness be most prevalent in consumer. But I think if you look at uh, the, the broader issue is that we've been dealing with a supply chain crisis in semiconductors for the last two years. And that's been an incentive for people to build inventory. And to the extent that we started to see this oversupply, I would argue, a year and a half ago in memory, uh, it, customers didn't react the way they normally do. They didn't start this inventory purge quite a bit earlier because they were worried about their own supply chain. They were worried about their ability to to procure stuff. And so I think you saw companies build significant amounts of inventory. In some cases, they still are. And so I think you'll see areas like cloud and enterprise that have held up somewhat better over the course of 22. They're going to have some of these same issues next year because the inventories are higher. And I think you know you, you certainly will see this more significantly in areas like memory that you will in proprietary products because the inventory behavior is different. Uh, but it, it is a phenomenon that's hit everywhere. And I think um, we are seeing everyone operate with higher levels of inventory than normal, given this, the supply chain conditions we've been seeing. And Joe, before we let you go, uh, I, I'm just curious if it's not Micron, are, are there other are, are there top picks? Where, where are investors better putting their money in, in chips? Yeah, even in areas like memory, I would look to um, to, to names like Lam Research, an equipment supplier, into the memory space. Uh, you know, the equipment companies tend to have much better cash flow during periods of weakness. So they're not immune. They're going to see pressures. We saw Micron capital spending. 
Um, but I think that's an area that, that I would sit this out. And I'd say, look, I think Micron's doing a great job of executing through this. I think that actions that they're taking uh, are an indication that they do see this level of supply-demand imbalance as being pretty serious. They're reacting to it, and I think they'll get through it okay. Uh, but I just think it's going to be difficult for the stock probably over the next two, three quarters. I always enjoy talking about semiconductors with a guy with a last name in Moore. So, Joseph Moore, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll see you soon, sir. Coming up on the show, the very latest on being uh, what's being called a once-in-a-generation. Once-in-a-generation winter storm, as you can see there, creating travel headaches and dangerous conditions heading into the Christmas holiday weekend. We'll keep an eye on that. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The hits just keep on coming for Tesla and not in a good way. The latest, the company is offering new discounts on its Model 3 and Model Y vehicles in the United States and Canada. According to sales pages on its website, Tesla is giving customers between a $7,500 and a $5,000 credit on cars delivered before the end of this year. The latest in a series of global price cuts and issues that that were happening for Tesla amid concerns over falling demand. Just yesterday, a new note from Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas casting doubt on Tesla's entire business model, raising the question if battery electric vehicles are the only path to decarbonizing the transportation industry. Jonas adding, quote, is the technology cheap enough? Is our electric grid ready? Are the enabling policies viable? Stories like Porsche, Investing in e-fuels as a dual path, complementary technology to EVs is worth watching, end quote. Now, Tesla shares on track for their worst month, quarter and year ever on record. Joining me now is GLJ Research CEO and founder Gordon Johnson. Uh, Gordon, you've been negative on this company for a while, and it's played out this year for sure. But some would argue that a lot of the negativity has already been priced into a stock that's lost two-thirds of its value since the highs that we saw. Are they right? <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Uh, great to be on the show. I think that viewpoint is dead wrong, and let me explain. So Tesla is currently valued at more than the next three largest automakers combined, despite selling just 5% of the cars that those automakers sold in 2021. So what's that mean? That means Tesla should be seeing tremendous growth in its quarter-over-quarter quarter shipments and year-over-year year shipments. So what are we seeing? Here's the problem. Tesla has now engaged in two margin-slashing price cuts in the U.S. in Q4, five margin-slashing price cuts in China in Q4, one margin-slashing price cut in Europe in Q4. Despite that fact, based on their guidance, for the third quarter in a row, they're going to produce more cars than they sold. That's a record. They're producing more than they sold, which means they're not selling everything that they're making. Despite all of that, their lead times have collapsed and they have two plants running at 20% capacity, Berlin, Texas, and one running at 93% capacity. This is a company, it's, it's just a car company, 90, 95% of revenues from selling cars, 5% from an energy division that loses money. They're just a car company that's built too much capacity that they can't sell. And that is a big problem. Now, Gordon, <laughs> the, the, the valuations, of course, are, are, are obviously an issue, and they have been for a while for, for many Tesla bears out there. Now, yep. earlier last year, this was a stock that was valued at 200, almost 230 times forward or anticipated <laughs> earnings. It has come all the way down to about 24 to 25 times forward earnings, which, by the way, doesn't make it that much more expensive than some parts of the S&P 500. 
But if you look at companies and legacy automakers, to your point, like Ford and GM, which are trading at, call it five to seven times forward earnings, it looks, it looks <laughs> a lot. But some would say the Tesla's growth story is worth it. Why are they again, not right? It, yeah, it's not growing. And, and, and one more thing on valuation, right? Typically in the luxury market, once you reach roughly 15% of that market, your growth stops. Look at BMW. They sell about 2.5 million cars a year. Look at Mercedes. They sell about 2.3. BMW valued at 58 billion. Mercedes valued at 70 billion. Both of those companies have great margins, better, better margins than Tesla. So if you apply those valuations to Tesla, you're talking about an 18 to $22 stock versus 140 today, roughly. So that's the problem. And with respect to growth, again, Dominic, you know this. If your backlog is collapsing, their backlog in China a couple months ago was several months. Now it's you can get a car immediately. Same thing in the U.S. Their backlog is nearly gone. Their backlog in Europe will be gone by the end of the year. That means their orders are less than their deliveries. So if they report 400,000 of deliveries this quarter, which we think they will roughly, that means their orders are less than that, which means they are not growing. Um, you're talking about a company that's run rating about 1.6 million cars, and yet they have two facilities, Texas and Berlin, that are just operating at 20% capacity. So they can't sell out their existing capacity, um, and they're at 1.6 million of, of car sales. That is a, that is a big red flag, a big headwind for an automaker. So people who say they're growing, they're wrong. And on technology, um, every, there's a ton of other uh, competitors out there, cars with equal or better real-world range, better interior, faster charging, and a network and a service that is actually there versus Tesla. So not only do you have all these headwinds, you have the competition. Last thing, Elon Musk espousing all these far right-wing conspiracies on Twitter. He's, he's alienating his key constituency of buyers. You're talking about liberals who think EVs are going to save the world. So there's just so many headwinds. And if you apply a BMW slash Mercedes valuation, you're talking about 80% more downside. So I think there's big risks still in this stock. We would be selling. All right. Gordon Johnson, remaining bearish on Tesla. Obviously, the, the debate rages on right now. Uh, thank you very much for your thoughts, sir. Thank we appreciate you. it. Happy holidays. To that developing story now around a major winter storm being called a once-in-a-generation system set to impact nearly every state in America, creating all sorts of headaches heading into the Christmas holiday weekend, travel or otherwise. NBC meteorologist Angie Lassman joins us now. Angie, uh, some are saying bomb cyclone, some are saying crazy storm of a generation, but we do know that a lot of people are going to be impacted. Just how bad could it get, Angie? Yeah, I don't want people to get lost in the details of this, Dom. We're talking about really impactful conditions from now through basically Saturday. And you can see how that system has developed now, bringing parts of the Great Lakes, uh, some snow showers. We have some rain working in to the mid-Atlantic area and moving into the northeast later today. When it comes to the rain, this could be flooding rain. Later today in New York City, mid-afternoon, you could start to see that rain pick up, and then we'll start to see that become a little heavier, with anywhere from three to four inches likely for a wide portion of the northeast in the mid-Atlantic. We also will deal with some coastal flooding thanks to the really strong winds that we're going to see working through as the system nears. And not to mention, if you live in the Midwest, you're dealing with blizzard conditions in some locations. Anywhere from uh, three to six feet is more likely for places like Chicago and Detroit. But on the east side of Lake Michigan, you could be talking about upwards of a foot of snow. So really impactful. And then you add in the winds and that snow is kind of fluffy 
and we're talking about reduced visibilities on the roads when folks are getting out, trying to enjoy their holiday and maybe heading to family uh, events and they're on the roads and in the air. When we deal with those winds, notice uh, 48 mile per hour peak wind gusts in Detroit, 40 for Washington, D.C. So not only is it going to reduce the visibility, but it's also going to cause problems when it comes to power outages. That's going to be a headache for folks as they are planning to spend time with loved ones and for the holiday, Dom. Now, now Angie, uh, uh, many armchair meteorologists like myself are looking <laughs> at the blue that you see on the left-hand side of your screen. All of that cold air is going to be moving east. We've got rain coming in the next day or two here in the United States on the east coast. What happens when all that rain and moisture starts to freeze over because of the cold air pushing in behind it? Yeah, and that's the, one of the really problematic parts about this, because when you have rain and then you have a quick rush of cold air, that means that uh, you have flash freezing. So a quick freezing of this ice basically on the roadways. Again, black ice is really common with this, and it's going to cause some problems on your roads. I-90, that's going to be one of the main places, not to mention some icing uh, and the power outages that you'll have to deal with. But when we talk about the power outages with the cold air, uh, 49 degrees below zero in Pierre, Kansas City at 11 below. So, Dom, this is really problematic and not to mention impactful for folks uh, as they're out and about in places in uh, Montana, Dom. They dropped 26 degrees in three minutes. That should tell you everything you need to know about just how strong this storm is. In three minutes. Angie Lastman with NBC with the latest on the storm. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Now, still on deck for the show, stocks looking to keep renewed momentum heading into the holiday weekend. A look at the day ahead and the moves to make with your money coming up. And a programming note. Be sure to tune into Squawk Box for a can't-miss conversation with Appaloosa Management's David Tepper, the hedge fund titan, his take on what markets may have in store for the new year, and his strategy on navigating potential headwinds. Also, he's an NFL owner. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. China reportedly planning to cut quarantine requirements for overseas travelers starting next month. U.S.-listed shares of Alibaba, JD.com, and the K-Web Internet ETF all popping on that report. Two of FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried's closest colleagues pleading guilty to fraud charges and agreeing to cooperate with U.S. prosecutors investigating the FTX collapse. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky wrapping up his whirlwind visit to Washington, D.C. with an impassioned plea to Congress to continue supporting his country's fight against Russia. Now, sticking with Congress, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says an agreement on a $1.7 trillion government spending bill could be reached by this morning ahead of the midnight deadline to do so. Shares of Under Armour seeing whipsaw action in extended trading on News Marriott International President Stephanie Lenartz will be its next CEO. And then Netflix announcing plans to build a $900 million production facility at a former base in New Jersey. The facility still needs numerous levels of approvals from local and state officials. Netflix shares up fractionally in the pre-market trade. Now, there are just six trading days left in what is on track to be the worst year for the Dow, NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 since 2008. So let's look ahead to what 2023 may bring for investors. Tim Courtney is chief investment officer at Accenture Wealth Advisors. Tim, uh, this is the time we look ahead to next year. Can 2023 be better than it was in 2022? Yeah, well, I sure hope so. Uh, I, I think it will be 
for, for a couple of reasons. One, I think we've gone through probably the worst of the adjustment that we needed to make this year uh, in terms of interest rates and, and uh, the, the inflation management. Um, you know, there, there still will be more. The market's pricing in a little bit more uh, in, uh, interest rate increases to come. But I think we've gone through most of the pain. Um, and the second reason is I think that markets are somewhat priced for some bad news already. We went into 2022 really priced for priced for close to perfection, priced for great news. We, we didn't get that in any form with inflation coming. We had a war um, and obviously, uh, you know, interest rate increases. But when we look at valuations coming into 2023, they look like they're priced for uh, at least a slight downturn, uh, at least a slight downturn in earnings if we look at valuations on, on the value side and growth side of the market. So I think we're still headed for some increased volatility, you know, as we did have this year. Uh, that's probably going to be the, the, the norm for the next several quarters, but also, uh, you know, potential good returns for bonds and stocks. So, so th- if it's bonds and stocks, Tim, I guess that, that leads me to my next question. Should investors and traders be positioning right now along the way for an eventual recovery possibly in the second half of next year? And if so, could those returns be somewhat significant given the, the downdraft that we've seen over the last 12 months here? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they could be very good, if, especially if we don't have this, this earnings downturn that, that the market seems to be really, really fearing that's, that's been talked a lot about over the last several weeks. You know, we, uh, we had a huge earnings uh, record in 2021. A lot of that was fueled by low rates and, and spending. Um, that appears to be the outlier in, in 2021. This year, uh, in 2022, we're going to come in a little bit lower than that, but still very good considering just how strong that 21 was. I think $208 on the S&P. This year, it looks like we may come in around $203 in operating earnings on the S&P. Next year, if we can even come in close to, to the 200 level, I think markets won't be ecstatic, but at least they'll be pleased that we, we, don't, we didn't have a big uh, downturn in earnings. And if we have any growth at all in earnings next year, uh, even if it comes down from the estimates uh, from now, which right now is around 225 or 230 on the S&P, I think markets would, would cheer that mightily. If it does come down, which, which is to be expected, I think we'll have an, you know, an, an okay year um, and, and still growing off of that 2021 really earning spike. All right. We're watching earnings very closely for sure. Tim Courtney, thank you very much. Happy holidays, sir. Thanks. Same to you. All right. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Uh, futures right now have lost some steam. We are seeing right now a Dow implied lower by 30 points. It's not dramatic, but it's in the red. The S&P 500 implied lower by two points. The Nasdaq down by five. We're watching, of course, yields as well. Keep it right here. Squawk Box picks up the market coverage. It comes up next, and we will see you tomorrow, the final trading day of the week before Christmas. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.